0: we mm-hmm. How's it going everybody, this is Chris Welcome to episode 150 of X-Lapsed Hey, it's a milestone, uh, kind of a low-key one I'm not making too big a deal out of it uh, Like I did with 50 and 100 So this is just going to be a regular old episode of X-Lapsed I I do want to uh, say that with this episode X-Lapsed has now become the uh, longest project Or I guess most Episodes of a project that I've been involved in um, From start to current Um, The Cosmic Treadmill uh, had 149 episodes that have been uploaded I do have an 150th that I'm really, really dragging my feet on uh, Putting out for a variety of reasons I'm sure many of you out there uh, can understand that Uh, uh, Putting that out would be kind of closing a door And it's just something that's kind of hard for me to do So it's just there, unfinished, waiting for me to finish it So it's still kind of a part of... Yeah, I'm still kind of working on it It's a... I don't know, maybe I'm just being weird But today, X-Lapsed 150 And we've got a uh, banger of an issue to discuss And it's not a Wolverine story Uh, If you're following along with the show You know that like every milestone we we come across here Wolverine's heavily involved And uh, not today, thankfully Instead, we have a uh, very interesting issue of Marauders to discuss. So let's get right on in. Uh, this is Marauders number 17. had a March 2021 cover date, the story is called The Winds of Change. Written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lali. Colors, Edgar Delgado. Letters, VCs, Corey Petit. Designs, Tom Muller. Head of X Hickman. Edits, Bisa white Sabalski, Cover price, $3.99. This one went on sale January the 13th of 2021. Now, we open in the not-so-long-ago. It's a retelling of the scene where Emma Frost reads Lockheed's mind to find out all about Shaw's atrocities the night that uh, Call Me Kate perished. But from here, we actually get a little bit new information. She telepathically calls out to Callisto to try and track down Shinobi Shaw, which they do. And he's at the Green Lagoon sharing drinks with Christian Frost. Now, Emma telepathically calls him... Uh, Shinobi outside to run him through a mind scan She ultimately concludes that the Shinobi had nothing to do With what Sebastian got up to that night uh, He's, relatively speaking, innocent here uh, So she mind-wipes him of, the, of their confrontation And she sends him back into the bar From here, a double-page spread of roll call and cred we're going to be focusing on Emma Frost, Shinobi Shaw, Christian Frost, Callisto, Storm, Sebastian Shaw, Bishop, and Call Me Kate. Now we come back to comics, with Storm and Callisto having a chat. Now Callisto wonders if Storm has gotten around to telling Emma and Call Me Kate that she's leaving. Uh, what? <laughs> Was she planning on telling us that she's leaving? Uh, weird, I-, I wonder what they've got planned for her, if anything at all. Anyway, Callisto uh, is here to talk about something very near and dear to us here at X-Lapsed. And that's the Crucible. Now, you see, Callisto was depowered way back on M-Day by the, uh, you know, the pain in the ass and every teenager's new favorite comics character who they didn't even realize was a comic character until a few weeks ago, the Scarlet Witch. Now, she's never gotten her powers back, and now she'd like to remedy that by going through the Crucible here. She also never got her disgusting tentacle arms back from that horrible Claremont Excalibur series. I'm not sure if she wants those back, though. Now, the gimmick here is, since Apocalypse is gone, he's in a menth, they don't have a regular, I don't know, host of the thing? And so, those who wish to go through the Crucible and have been accepted as going through the Crucible need to bring their own... For lack of a better term, sponsor, maybe? I don't know. It'll later be later be referred to as a kaishakunin, uh, which was the person designated to behead a person who's performed seppuku. That is, you know, Japanese ritual suicide, of course. Now, Kalisto wishes for Storm to do her that honor and end her, uh, ordinariness and suffering. Storm declines, but offers up Logan in her stead. Kalisto does not relish the thought of being sliced and diced by Wolverine, and, uh... She even goes as far as to attempt to remind Storm How much Storm herself once wanted to become whole again And have her powers Now this is uh, almost definitely a callback to the life-death era Where Storm was depowered for a a time During the probably third quarter of the Claremont run From here we go to an info page And it's it's a memo from Emma Frost Basically spelling out all of the changes to the Hellfire Trading Company That were put into play after the uh, revenge porn last issue from here, we jump to Mykonis in the Faroe Islands. Wow, I, I was wondering when we, when or if we'd ever see this place again. Now this, of course, was the island that Magneto arranged with Namor to get for Emma during that weird giant-size-X-Men colon Magneto issue. You can check out episode 78 of this program for more on that. Which reminds me that that was quite a long time ago. That was like half the project ago. Wild. Anyway, Emma chats up the groundskeeper, same dude we met in Giant Size, and uh, she tells him that he's welcome to stay here. However, there's going to be one night a year where he'll likely be inconvenienced, and uh, she's most likely talking about the Hellfire Gala, which will very likely be taking place here. Now, it's worth noting that Emma is wheeling Sebastian Shaw around in his wheelchair, and he appears to be quite cognizant and with it. You know, his last issue ended, I was unsure if he still had any sort of mental faculties. Um, Here, it's made pretty clear that he does, and he can speak, he can argue, he can uh, express himself verbally. Now, they arrive at the weird sentinel-headed citadel thing, and outside it are Bishop, Shinobi, and Christian. Now, upon seeing Shinobi, Emma makes some odd remarks about how maybe he's actually other Hellfire Club member Harry Leland's son. And Sebastian doesn't take too kindly to this But alas, there ain't all that heck of a lot he could do about it Emma mentions that Leland died fighting Kilrod or something She, you know, almost certainly means Nimrod Because he did die fighting Nimrod Which, uh, you know, that robot bugger might loom large in these books eventually So maybe we'll be seeing old Harry Leland pretty soon Now from the Citadel emerges Jumbo Carnation and the Saucier It's basically confirmed here that we're planting seeds for that upcoming Hellfire Gala here. Now, Emma warns the fellas that there are going to be humans among the guest list, which really gets under the saucier's um, skin a bit. Bishop wonders why Call Me Kate isn't here for the planning, to which Emma says she's off delivering a letter, and, uh, well, she totally is. So let's join her in Madripoor. She and Lockheed row up to the shantytown Lowtown, and upon arrival, they find some SWAT-types set to attack an innocent family's hut. And she takes care of them with the quickness, scaring them off. Now, we soon learn that this innocent family is a special one. They're actually the Fisher folks who rescued and nursed Lockheed back to health during Kitty's time in-dead. Now, she learns from them that the banksters who took over the madreport government are looking to demolish Lowtown and build more fancy towers and whatnot in its stead. To which Kitty tells them to hold fast, because she might just have a plan. And she certainly does. Now, we jump back to Krakoa, and we're at the Crucible. Now, here, Callisto steps forward, and it looks like the host of the Crucible is now the Silver Samurai. You know, he is the host of that quarry fighting arena, so I suppose it does have some precedent. Now here, he asks Callisto if she had brought her Kaisha Kunin. And she has not. The samurai then offers his blade, and also informs that the Fenris twins have offered to assist with the ritual as well. Callisto suggests that if she winds up facing Fenris, she'll likely wind up in the hole for murder, rather than the hatchery for rebirthening. And, uh... She also calls them racists, which I don't think they'll argue. Just then, Storm arrives to give Callisto what she needs. And so they fight. For like a minute, before Storm gives Callisto a lightning fist enabled heart attack. Callisto dies and is brought back on the very same page. The next day, Storm watches as Callisto experiences the island for the first time as a powered mutant. It's worth noting, Callisto is still wearing an eye patch. So they didn't bother to give her both eyes back? Okay. Uh, she, Storm that is, narrates a bit about change and how much she longs for it, which I guess that's why she's leaving. Info page from the X Desk and the nefarious, if the latest issue of Wolverine is to be believed, Dolores What's Her Face. Now, we learn that the Hellfire Trading Company is buying up a bunch of Madripoorian real estate so they can, you know, fight back against this, uh, this government shutdown. We also learn that Omenes Verandy's governance over Madripoor seems to be something of public knowledge. Plus, old Dolores has in been invited to the Hellfire Gala. She reveals that the guest list is fairly eclectic, including heads of state, ambassadors, and metahuman associates of the X-Men. Meta-human? What is this, the DC Universe? Yeah. All right, well, we wrap up the issue with Kitty delivering an invitation to the gala to... Ominous Verandy. Hmm, she even slips a Call Me Kate into the conversation, which... I mean, I know I joke about it here on the show, but it's been 17 issues. If we keep needing to be reminded, it's just not going to stick. You know, this Kate thing, this Kate experiment, it's not going to work. So let's just go back to calling her Kitty, Okay. Now, that's the end of the issue. Next episode, we're going to be dipping into King in Black with sword number two. So that's, uh, I guess that can go one of two ways, can't it? Um, Either way, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit of what the hubbub's about. But let's talk about the hubbub we got here. Well, I guess it's probably no surprise that my main takeaway to this has to do with this, the crucible and the fact that uh, we are getting some answers here as to how it's going to uh, work from this point on. And uh, I suppose that this is—it's um, interesting how they're doing it, right? Uh, but it also opens up a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of challenges here because. We can look at it a few different ways, right? The storm gave Callisto a relatively merciful death, right? She didn't beat her to death, she didn't cut her to pieces, she didn't blow holes in her. She gave her a heart attack, which is probably as merciful as as you can do in the crucible, unless you could turn into like carbon monoxide and just fill up her lungs and just let her go to sleep. I think this is probably about as merciful as it's going to be. That said. Storm still murdered somebody. She still killed somebody. I mean, it's it's. I, I mean, uh, things that go way above the scope of a silly little X Men podcast. I mean, we can talk about things like right to death, and we have talked about that a little bit during the uh, the X Force deal with Domino and Colossus. We could talk about assisted suicide, stuff like that, because it's kind of what this is. It's a uh, it's a weird one. It's really a weird one here, and. I mean, we go into this from from the get go, knowing that Calisto is going to die here. So it's almost like what's the point of the fight here? What would happen if she if she injured Storm and then Storm killed her? So then we'd have someone who was dying, but then someone who's injured on top of that. It just seems kinda weird. with Apocalypse it was different, because Apocalypse is Apocalypse. Here we're just going to be taking random characters to And turn them into murder, murderers here, right? And they've done this before with Storm uh, Back in Uncanny 325 When she ripped Marrow's heart Right out of her chest And then we found out that Marrow had two hearts So we were able to get out of it But it's kind of weird here That Storm, last issue we had Storm overseeing torture And here Storm is killing somebody of course, you know, she asked for it, but still, she killed somebody. She has to live with the fact that she actually ended a life, and that's just kind of weird to me. It makes me think about, like, all the uh, all the younger X-Men and whom they might ask to do them this service as the Kaisha Kunin, right? Are we going to have young X-Men killing other young X-Men in the name of, you know, mercy and rebirth and... I don't know how I feel about that I don't know that I like it very much Um, Apocalypse, it's it's different Because we can walk things back with Apocalypse Because he's Apocalypse But, I mean, if we have a deep Howard Young mutant going up to Jubilee And being like, Jubilee, I need you to kill me (laughs) I I just, and then she goes and does it I don't know, it just seems weird to me Not, Not really digging that It is, uh It's a lot There's a lot of meat on that bone to discuss Um Let's take a look at the resurrection queue Because uh, Kalisto comes back very quickly Like the next panel I don't remember if this is the standard for crucible deaths We've only seen Arrow, you know, that Guthrie girl And she did come back very fast So I wonder, like... Is it like an immediate thing? Like, are the bodies ready to hatch Just waiting for a member of X-Factor To give the thumbs up It's like, yep, she's dead let her, let her rip You know, is that how they're doing this? And if that is the case I can I can definitely go with that That's, you know, I, I would have no argument for that It's, you know, just something I'd like to know Also, we hear in this issue That Harry Leland of the Hellfire Club And maybe Shinobi Show's father uh, Is somewhere in the resurrection queue Just waiting for his number to come up that's kind of weird um, that he has to wait. Uh, where we had Siren, she was hatched twice in five days, right? And we had you know we had Empath and Quentin Quire die almost every single issue that they're featured in. But I do recall there being something about dying like in the line of duty or dying for Krakoa. You'll be you know expedited with your uh, resurrection here, as Quentin Quire and Empath would definitely fit that bill. Siren, however, I don't I don't know Because Siren, she was just flying And apparently, if, you, if we listen to her, she was just drunk, flying And uh, forgot how to fly and fell to her death Of course, it wasn't that, but that's what she's telling us So why is she coming back so often When old Harry Leland, who sacrificed himself to fight Nimrod Who might just be the big bad of this entire run He's still waiting It's, I don't know, that just seems weird to me Um, let's go back to Storm for a minute She's leaving Krakoa, apparently Um, we're always the last ones to know Uh, I don't know why she's leaving Other than the fact that she wants change I don't know where she's going All I can say is I hope it's not Wakanda (laughs) <laughs> that's boring I guess I'm going to have to pay more attention To the Marvel previews from this point on To see if Storm, you know, pops up somewhere else I think she's on the cover Of an upcoming issue of X-Men though So I think we have a little bit of time Before she's going to jam here So we'll have to take it as it comes I suppose I do wonder what the plans are for her And, you know, um, as much as I hate to lose her Here to the X-Books here Um if I were to say that they've handled her very well since the uh, Hox Pox uh, Docs launch here, I, I'd be lying because they haven't done a heck of a lot with her. Um, it, she's always been kind of just an afterthought here, um, getting a few you know little bits and pieces, but I think she certainly deserves better than what she's been getting so far. So maybe she'll get that outside the Xbox. I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Um, we learned a little bit about Sebastian Shaw's current state. He's not in a vegetative state uh, He's able to speak, he's able to argue He's able to question Seems like they lessened His uh, injury from The end of the last issue here where he was uh, He seemed totally Incapable of much When uh, he was sat before the Quiet Council here, he seemed totally Unable to uh, kind of Express himself in that scene But here, we're, we're getting a little bit more Out of him Um One more thing about this issue Uh, Fenris, Uh, they are, of course, Nazis, right? Um, It seems odd to point this out uh, The way they did it uh, When we consider how many absolutely awful people Are currently living on and and wielding great power on Krakoa To me, it seems like they're trying kind of hard to make a statement And I get it, I totally get it Racists and Nazis are scumbags, right? I I mean, I totally understand that but I mean, given the context of the makeup of Krakoa, I can't help but feel like we're being learned something here. Like they are trying to make a statement, and I mean, these are clownish characters too. I mean, they're they're dumb. <laughs> these Fenris twins, they're even treated as jokes in the uh, in the scene in this issue here, and that's just about right. Uh, no, no matter how much affection I have for the whole upstart story here. I'm still not a fan of Fenris or Baron Von whatever his or whatever their father's name is. It's just uh, interesting to me, and I don't know if this is being done intentionally, but, uh, I mean, they are uh, white supremacists. They're scumbag white supremacists. But they're living on an island that has a lot of mutant supremacists on it. People who view non-mutants as being inferior or lesser. So it's a... Uh, It's kind of dicey, kind of slippery Um, I honestly don't feel comfortable talking more about it than I already am But it just, it felt a little weird is what I'm trying to say But uh, overall this was a really good issue, a really packed issue here Um, A lot of neat callbacks to recent goings on here Those dangling threads that uh, I didn't know if or when we'd ever see them again You know, I didn't think we'd ever see the little Fisher family that rescued Lockheed Um, I didn't think we'd need to but here we are using that as a way to spur on another story uh, And another sort of offensive against Omenes Verandee So that's pretty cool um, The Faroe Islands, I I thought they forgot about that, to be honest here But, but I suppose if we you know, take the COVID hiatus into account here The whole Hellfire Gala thing was probably supposed to come together a lot quicker than it did, you know tens was supposed to run, I believe, late summer And uh, we didn't get it until the end of the year So maybe the Hellfire Gala was already Maybe that was supposed to happen at the end of the year Instead of the summer of uh, 2021 So maybe this was supposed to flow a little bit better Maybe the Faroe Islands was going to be more fresh in our minds uh, When this was all coming to pass So Who knows? Who knows? A lot of things were out of everybody's control last year, so we got to give some allowances here. But, overall, this was a really, really good issue, a gorgeous issue to look at. Matteo Lali is uh, really, really good, and it's definitely getting me kind of psyched up for whatever this Hellfire Gala is uh, going to be. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode, but first, let's hop into our mailbag here. Now, we're going to start with Damien, talking about X-Men number 16. Now, he says, I have read this issue a number of times, and I never realized that we'd already met Idol. When I read the info pages, I thought we only knew Iska and Tarn. I love the idea of a precog being introduced to Krakoa, even if it's just subtly, and there is no doubt that we're meant to be reminded of Mystique's wife in those council scenes. Now, what Damien's referring to is the, uh... Wait, what were they called? Um, the Great Ring of uh, Arako? The Araco has their own set of uh, leaders, kind of a quiet council of their own here. And just like Krakoa's, they're broken into like four little quadrants, and there's a translator in the island itself, just like Krakoa and Doug in, uh, on Krakoa. And uh, we met a few of these characters who are going to be seated in this great ring. And, of course, we have Iska the Unbeaten. She's taking Genesis's spot. Um, And we have Tarn the Uncaring, who we met in that issue of Hellions during Exitens that totally wiped out the Hellions, basically. And Idol was another character that we found out was going to be part of this great ring. And we haven't heard much about Idol other than they were a cribmate of the creepy Summoner who uh, we met back in the long ago here. And that they have a sort of a prophetic powers, precog. Uh, and we talked a bit about how, you know, Krakoa is uh, really, really against having Destiny come back for, uh, well, for the fact that she's a precog. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, receive Idol when they uh, inevitably meet. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Now Damien continues. I do come away from this issue wondering if the eventual replacement for Apocalypse on the Council will be Iska. She's dismissive of Xavier and Magneto, but she also seems happy to educate them. She's also retained her color change from when she switched allegiance during Exit 10s. Maybe she's a Corcoan in waiting. And that's a really good point, because I didn't even notice that she changed color. And, uh, yeah, she did. (laughs) I had to look back at that. I was like, wait a minute, how did I miss that? How did I not comment on that? So maybe, maybe she will take the apocalyptic chair in the Quiet Council here. I don't know how long it'll take to get there, and I don't know if I'm totally interested in the story that might get us to that point, because I'm I'm just so tired of all this stuff, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see. I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, Damien continues. The Hellfire Gala intrigues me. We're going to get the announcement of the X-Men team, but there are also going to be human guests, and we know that there are elements of a fashion show for Jumbo Carnation as well. They've just released images of variant covers, which feature some of Russell Dotterman's co- costume designs for the Hellfire Gala, and they are really out there. They're definitely not practical superhero costumes, so I find myself wondering exactly what's going to happen at the gala. And yeah, the uh, gala, I did a little bit of research on this, and I shared uh, these images at the 90s X-Men Facebook group, the, uh, the, the Dotterman um, variant covers here, because yeah, they are weird. These costumes are way out and wild, and it really makes me wonder exactly what this is going to be all about. And again, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, the gala at the end of the episode. I'm definitely intrigued, though. Definitely intrigued. Uh, Damien continues, I feel like I should also take a little time to praise Phil Noto. This issue looks amazing. Now, here's some news to me. With the announcement that Cable is ending... I have to hope that we see more of Noto on X-Men. Oof. that's I woke up to this email, and I I saw that, and I'm like, I couldn't have read that, right? (laughs) Is Cable really ending? And yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode as well. But yes, Cable is going away. And you're right. Noto is uh, is fantastic here. Uh, I do hope that he gets a... I hope he stays on the X-Family, because I, I definitely like seeing his work. And I don't want to lose him To uh, to our uh, coverage here I, I really, really like his stuff Now uh, Damien wraps up with Anyway, until it's revealed that Chris is one of the Redacted members of the Great Ring Make my next lapsed And boy, could, could you Imagine if they wrote someone like me into this thing they, they, would, they would Depict that character as such a jerk Just complaining about how things were Better back in the day <laughs> And dismissing everything And just saying like oh yeah these these are uh, these are these are great ring problems here these aren't your problems these are great ring problems and he'll say how's it going every time he uh every time he walks on panel so we'll we'll have to well have to wait and see i I, <laughs> I hope that's the case i hope that's the case but thank you so much for uh for for a sharing your thoughts on that issue and b for uh, facilitating Another new segment to the program here We're going to talk a little bit about the news That uh, that we can all use That I was totally ignorant of uh, After we finish with the mailbag here So thank you for that Now let's hop into Evan's message here He's got a couple of messages here And it's some non-XX things If you recall I'd asked um, I'd asked folks who are reading The wider Marvel Universe To let me know ...of any relevant goings-on to our you know, Krakoan X-Books in other books. And Evan has helped us out with a couple here. He starts with, Avengers number 37 has an epilogue scene on the moon at Summerhouse, ...setting up the Phoenix storyline. And it does have the Phoenix. Given that it's the final part of a bat-crap, crazy, Moon night centric story... ...it might not be worth an episode. Unless the X-Books do get dragged into the Phoenix event... But I figured I'd give you the heads up, and Wolverine may figure into the next storyline. And yeah, I did pick up Avengers number 40. Uh, Avengers number 40 is the first part of Enter the Phoenix, and I, I thought, you know, it might be a fun thing to cover here on the show, and I thought maybe maybe it would be relevant. Um, I don't know that it is, and uh, I tried reading this thing a couple of times, and I was so lost. I was absolutely lost here, and and I think we talked about this before, how the Phoenix, it feels like Marvel's trying to take the Phoenix away from the X-Family, right? It's like, no, no, this is a Marvel thing now. It's not an X-Men thing, it's a Marvel thing. And uh, I don't know that we'll see a whole heck of a lot uh, to set up anything in the X-Men from the Phoenix anytime soon. Though, I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong, but I just don't see uh, a Phoenix coming around to threaten the X-Men anytime soon. I think... I think uh, the Phoenix is a, an Avengers villain for now, and eh, I guess that's okay. Um, uh, Wolverine, I believe, is in that story here, but um, it's it's weird. That's um, a book that I, I said that, uh, you know, I always complain about, like, the double-page spread and the roll call, and that issue of Avengers could have used a uh, roll call, because I wasn't sure who I was looking at. So uh, Now, Evan continues, uh, Franklin, no more Mutant Richards update. Now, in Fantastic Four number 27, which is the issue after we find out that he's not a mutant, or never was a mutant, he says the only mention is that he says to his mom that he's not a mutant anymore, and she doesn't seem surprised. But his dad gives him an Iron Man suit with FF branding left over from Empire. So, uh, basically, we, we, we're we not missing anything there. So, uh, <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better about not pursuing the Franklin Richards story, because... Yeah, as uh, as awkwardly and as dismissively as they, well, dismissed it uh, It looks like uh, we're just going to keep keep brushing it under the rug here We're just not going to pay much mind to it And that's, you know, that's their prerogative, I guess So happy that we're not continuing along with uh, Fantastic Four At least for now You'll have to let me know if anything else happens And uh if that is the case, we will uh, we'll pop back in. But thank you so much for helping to keep me abreast of the goings-on in the wider Marvel Universe and also letting the listeners know if there's anything they wanted to see. If you want to read about the Phoenix and Avengers, you can do that. If you want to read about uh, Mr. Fantastic giving Franklin an Iron Man suit, you can do that, too. So thank you so much, Evan. And uh, that will close out the mailbag for today. But it's time for that new segment We're going to talk about news And uh, this is relatively old news I'm not here to break news I feel like uh, folks on social media And content creators who fancy themselves as news breakers Are uh, perhaps a little too pleased with themselves here I know I'm not breaking any news here I mean, how much news can you break when you're crediting other news sites? Eh, what are you going to do? Now, let's talk about Cable being canceled. Now, this comes from Bleeding Cool's Marvel Cuts the Cord and Cancels Cable. says, Writer Jerry Duggan and artist Phil Noto's action-packed run on Cable will reach its explosive climax this June. While the rest of the X-Men gear up for the, new, the highly anticipated Hellfire Gala, young Nathan Summers will have to contend with his, with his grizzled war veteran future self in Cable number 12. The past and future of Nathan Summers will finally collide in a game-changing confrontation that'll set this iconic character on a new path. Well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, I wonder I wonder which cable we're going to have at the end of this. Uh, will the kid cable experiment be over? Will we go back to old man cable? I, I wonder. This, uh, I'm interested. I'm interested. Uh, back to the article here. We have a quote from Jerry Duggan. He says... I was grateful to be reunited with Cable in this exciting new era of the X-Men, and even more excited to be reunited with one of my most important collaborators and friends. Phil Noto and I have wrenched on a lot of comics together, and this one will be immortal because of his sublime work. On your feet, soldiers, we have our most dangerous battle in the final chapter. Now, Bleeding Cool ends with, It's the end of an era and the beginning of a new age for Cable. Don't miss the final issue of this epic saga when Cable number 12 goes on sale June 30th. Well, we did take a look at the sales charts a few episodes back here, so we can't say that this is a gigantic surprise, right? It's a disappointment because Cable is uh, really, really good, but um, it's not a surprise. It's unfortunate that I think a lot of folks judge this one not even by the cover, because the covers have all been really, really cool, just by the name on the cover, Cable. You know? I think a lot of people just figured this was going to be another useless cable series, because we've gotten a lot of those. We've gotten a lot of just really bloaty, fillery cable series, you know? Where it's just like, hey, we got to put another book out, let's throw Cable's name on it. Here, it, you know, kind of had a reason to exist, and it did its own thing, and it was funny and it was good and it was beautiful. And it's uh it's too bad that it'll be ending here. I'm just glad that it seems as though uh, Duggan knows the story he wanted to tell with this and we'll be getting the opportunity to do so. So I guess we'll probably be hypersensitive to things like signs of truncation, like uh, I think a lot of us are when we hear that a book's being canceled. We look to see if we can find the seams. And I'm sure where we want to find them we will. But Hopefully there is enough lead lead time for this, for uh, Duggan to wrap this up in a way that's satisfying for him and uh, for us as well. Uh, I'm going to be sorry to see Cable go. Now our next piece of news here is all about the Hellfire Gala. And as I mentioned, I already shared this over at the Facebook group, that's 90s X-Men, but I figure we probably should talk about it on the air too. Um, now it's going to be 12 issues in June. And uh, from our Bleeding Cool article, we have these highly anticipated stories will be told across 12 issues, offering different perspectives and viewpoints of a single night that will go down in Marvel Comics history. Throughout the event, fans can expect critical moments to occur that will shape the X-Men's future as we know it, including the unveiling of the first Krakoan X-Men team, the final member of which was decided by a mega popular marvel.com vote. Now I already knew that this was going to be 12 parts here and uh, I just posted the article to the group. I didn't really pay much mind to it. I assumed that we were going to get we were going to be getting some like double shipping books here, like uh, maybe two issues of X-Men, two issues of Marauders, I don't know. That's not the case. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's not the case at all Let's go through these issues um, We got Hellions number 12 Marauders 21 X-Force 20 Excalibur 21 X-Men 21 New Mutants 19 Planet Size X-Men number 1 X-Corp number 2 Sword number 6 Way of X number 3 Wolverine number 13 And X-Factor number 10 <sighs> We canned cable and we still have 11 books in this line 11 I mean, Planet Size is hopefully just a one-shot And hopefully it'll be the only overpriced book of this, of these 12 But, uh, I mean, we started this line with 6 books And I'm pretty sure we all thought that was too many We've doubled it And, I mean, this is June, so there will be a ca- an issue of cable The last issue of cable will come out in June So there's going to be... 12 books And I'm I'm sure Children of the Atoms is going to come out So we're up to 13 books That's a lot of damn books, isn't it? Oh boy Um, Now we'll talk more about these issues During our uh, solicits chat Which will probably be the first week in May Because these will be the June books So we'll talk about that during the first week of May But uh Yeah, we got a lot of books to discuss It's funny, when uh, I started this show And always pictured myself catching up Um, I figured, okay, well, when we catch up, and if we're doing this daily at that point Well, then we can explore other things, right? We could just, we could do the Hox Pox Docs rocks, socks, books one week of the month Because there'll only be like five or six of them, right? Oh boy, (laughs) I mean, even when we're caught up uh, We're going to be devoting at least two weeks a month to these these ongoing uh, current day books That's pretty wild stuff here But anyway, that will do it for our brief look at um, some very relatively old news. And if anyone out there comes across a news item that you think is relevant to the show or wants to hear my thoughts on, uh, please feel free to shoot me a message here. Shoot me an email and uh, we can discuss any upcoming news. So please feel free to uh, hit me up if you come across something that you feel uh, might be of interest. Uh, you could find me a few different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. And, of course, those uh, communication channels aren't just for news. You can also, you know, send me your thoughts. Just say hi. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm here. Uh, you could find blog posts and show notes over at com, which also now includes... X-Lapsed Origins, which is a look At some seminal stories from the past That still inform the books To this day uh, We're starting with a look into Otherworld And Captain Britain And we're just meeting Saturnine It's a really good time there, it's a series of articles It's not audio Maybe one day it will be um, This is uh, the 150th episode And every time I hit like a big milestone like this I always figure maybe I'll announce That I'm bringing the Patreon back And I can put some Exclusive you know, coverage and uh, and discussions on that, but uh, I, I'm never ready for it. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if I ever will be, but uh, I guess uh, if you're interested, keep an eye and ear out for that. Maybe it'll come uh, eventually if I ever get the gumption to go about doing it. But for now, X lapsed Origins is a uh, text and pictures on the blog ChrisIsOnInfiniteEarth.com. Uh, You can chat us up on Facebook. You can share news on Facebook if you'd like. That's 90s X-Men on Facebook. And you can listen to all of the programming at the Chris and Reggie channel at chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available at all your noise aggregation places. And I think that will do it for today. Um, I want to take a moment to just thank you all so much. For helping me get to 150 episodes, I can say with 100% certainty that I could not have done it without you. Um, this is uh, not always the easiest thing to do. It can be a very lonely endeavor. Um, I'm using whatever little free time I have here to, uh, to devote to this. And it, uh, it's, it can be lonely. So knowing that there are some folks out there that uh, seem to enjoy it, and are on this ride with me Really, really means a lot to me More than I can even put into words Without, uh, without becoming too gushy by, by far But uh, thank you all so, so much For everything you've done for me Over these past 150 episodes And I only hope that I uh, have managed to return that favor It really, really means the world to me So thank you all so much And, uh, you know, also, thank you for uh, spending today with me. I really, really appreciate that as well. So I guess here's to uh, episode 200, huh? Well, we'll, We'll probably get there. We'll probably get there. But for now, let's worry about episode 151, which will be the next time we talk. So thank you all again. And until next time, I'll talk to you all real soon. See ya.